In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I want to start with a, a PSA, public safety announcement. If you need handiwork done on your house, don't ever call me. <laughs> if it's broken, I will break it some more for you. Now, my wife, Mindy, is, is she's sort of like the female MacGyver. She can do anything. I am like the villain of MacGyver in the shows. I will ruin it. If Mindy leaves me uh, with the chore to, for example, put up a shelf, um, he gives me a drill, an anchor, a screwdriver, a screw. If she came back 30 minutes later, what was supposed to be a small hole with a screw and an anchor, half of our wall will be gone. The plaster will be on the floor in pieces, right? I, I'm, not even, I'm not joking about this. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What Josh needs when it comes to house projects and handiwork is not help. I don't need your help. I don't need assistance. I don't need support. I need deliverance. (laughs) Do you see the difference? I don't need to keep trying. In fact, my experience of starting out with a small tiny hole with the anchor is going to go in and then the screw and the... The harder I try, the more determined I am to make this work, the more pieces of plaster fall on the floor. I don't need help and assistance and aid and more determination and harder work. I don't need more dedication. I need deliverance. Someone or something from the outside that isn't someone who's not me to help me. Today in John's Gospel, chapter 3, story of Nicodemus, I'm calling him Nick in my head, have all week, so that's what we're going to go with today. Nick, this is a story of a man who, though he is determined, unfortunately his determination to get the answers to life, to determine religious matters, has only led him to darkness. And just like Josh with a screw and a drill and so on, He's only making things worse. This conversation between Nick and Jesus is sort of like uh, when someone tries to, this is another one of my gifts in life, uh, when someone tries to tell me uh, directions, hey, um, how do you get to so-and-so? And they start talking to me and they say, well, you go down here, you take a left, then you take your second right. The whole time I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I get back in the car and Mindy says, what did they say? Where do we go? I have no idea. This is the conversation that Nick and Jesus are having. It's like Nick is, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, Jesus, I I mean, I'm a religious expert, I know what I'm talking about. At the end of the conversation, Nick says nothing. So Nick thinks he knows who Jesus is in this conversation. He thinks he just needs a little assistance, a little more determination, but as you'll see, what he really needs is deliverance. So here's the main idea from John chapter 3, the story of Nick. We're going to see... That human determination to get salvation on our own, human determination to get our salvation on our own, only leads to darkness when what we really need, what Jesus offers us, what Christianity teaches us, is deliverance. Not determination, deliverance. 
Here we go. We're going to see Nick's determination and then Nick's darkness and then Nick's deliverance. And I bet you will find yourself in this story. First, his determination. Nick is a determined, driven man. How do we know this? Notice in the story, the top of that passage, look at the gospel reading with me. Look at what John tells us about this character, Nicodemus. He says in verse 1 that Nick was, is a Pharisee. Nick is a Pharisee. Nick is a leader of the Jews. That is, Nick is a religious expert, a, probably a religious scholar, a leader, an authority figure. Religion, uh, um, um, Hebraic religion, this is like his thing. This is his thing. He probably had to memorize the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures to, to, tap, to have this role. Nick was an authority on religious matters. And in fact, this is probably why his community sent him to talk to Jesus. Right? He's a determined, driven man when it comes to religion. Now, we all do this, don't we? We all look for something in human existence that we can grab a hold of and squeeze it for all it's worth to get life, to get salvation, to make meaning, to find purpose. This will bring me life. This will bring me meaning. This will, bring, this will quiet the nagging anxieties that keep me awake at night. So we become experts, don't we? Leaders, success stories in some sphere of life, in business, in work, in relationships, maybe even if you're sneaky like Nicodemus, you choose something good like church work. Right? But here's the thing. No matter how hard we squeeze this area of life, no matter how determined we are to make it give us salvation, it's not enough. So what is this for you? This is what you, I want you to be thinking of as we overhear this conversation between Nick and Jesus. What is it that you're determined to find, uh, in which you're determined to find salvation? What are you squeezing for all it's worth in life? Again, it could be something really positive like church work, church life, something close to God. Here's what John wants you to know from chapter 3 about whatever salvation project you've got going on. It's not going to work. It's not enough. In fact, it will only lead you into further darkness. Here's the second point. Not just Nick's determination, but Nick's darkness. Um, Have you ever seen someone wearing a shirt that says, uh, for example, I survived eighth grade and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. I saw one that said, I survived 2017 and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Maybe it was that kind of year for you. Another of my favorites, I put a ring on it, and all I got was this lousy (laughs) t-shirt. I just turned 70, all I got was this, after 70 long years of life, lousy t-shirt. Here's my favorite, though, little bitty onesie for a little infant, and it says, I just traveled through the birth canal, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. You see... This was Nick's darkness. This was Nick's dilemma. This was the problem that Nick found himself in. I just built my life around religious learning and religious life, and instead of salvation, all I got was this lousy t-shirt. 
Where do we see this darkness in the text? Look at the second verse, a little ways down into your passage. I know you don't have the verse numbers listed. In verse 2, John gives us a very subtle detail. He says, Nick came to Jesus at when? When did he come? At night, at night, in the darkness. Now listen, scholars disagree on why Nick came to Jesus at night, literally, literally came to Jesus at night. Maybe Nick was afraid of what his colleagues would think, so he comes under the cover of night. It's sort of a secret meeting. Or some scholars say, no, maybe he wanted to ensure that he got Jesus one-on-one so he he could have a real serious conversation because these are heavy questions that he's asking. Scholars disagree on that, but here's the one thing they do agree on, that what John is doing with the word night or darkness here is something more than literal. It's not just a subtle detail of timing in the story. Because listen, in the story of John's gospel, dark and light, night and day, are concepts that John uses to convey meaning about what God is doing through Jesus Christ. Remember chapter 1? Jesus is the what of the world? Is the light of the world. Jesus has come to dispel the darkness which is not good news for a religious expert who comes as a confused person to Jesus. Nick is in the dark up here and in here. Nick is in the dark. Now, this becomes clear to us in the story as we go on, verses 3 through 11, because as you've noticed, after each point that Jesus makes, Nick gets more confused. Like Josh in a, in a conversation about directions, his confusion grows. This religious expert knows less and less and less and less, apparently. He begins by saying to Jesus, Jesus, we know, right? We know. And then his comments about what he knows to Jesus. P.S., if you're ever talking to the Savior of the world, don't start with, we know. His comments quickly turn into questions, right? After Jesus responds, he says, How can anyone be born after growing old? And then later, he he keeps questioning, and with fewer words, by the way, how can these things be? So eventually, Nick's comments about what he knows about religious life to Jesus turn into questions, and then the questions turn into silence. And John leaves us, the second half of the story, with only Jesus talking. Nick doesn't know anything, unfortunately. Now, we're not picking on Nick because we all do this. We all do this, don't we? Um, and the, in fact, this is what the Bible teaches, that all of us have grabbed a hold of something and we squeezed it for every amount of salvific life we can find in it. And no matter how hard we squeeze it, all we get is the lousy T-shirt. This is the message of Scripture. We can't do it ourselves. Our determination doesn't really matter. So I just spent my life working for this company and all I got was this lousy retirement package. I didn't find meaning or hope. I just spent my emotions on countless romantic relationships and all I got was a broken heart. I gave the best years of my life to my kids and my husband and all I got was a divorce and a phone call on Mother's Day, just a bunch of lousy t-shirts. 
Human determination to find salvation only leads to darkness. In fact, usually, as the harder we try, the further away from Jesus we get because we think that we're just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and then I'll find meaning. Then I'll make sense of the pain in my life. Then I'll, I'll, I'll quiet the anxieties that keep me away. Just a little bit more. But we don't need support. We don't need help. We don't need more teaching, Tim Keller might say. We need a Savior. We need deliverance. We need deliverance. Human determination to find salvation only leads to darkness. Jesus wants to offer us something different. And offer to Nick deliverance he did. Here's the third point. Nick is delivered. By the way, we don't really get to find out a, a conversion story about Nicodemus here in this, uh, in, in this particular chapter. But Nicodemus is mentioned twice later in the Gospel of John. And both are instances where we see uh, Nick uh, doing something, um, that, something that seems very faithful. Something that seems like a follower of Jesus would do. He stands up for Jesus amidst his religious colleagues when they're questioning him. And then later, um, I believe, he, uh, he assists in, uh, uh, with Joseph of Arimathea and, and, and with Jesus' grave. So we imagine that, that Nicodemus was delivered. We don't get to see that here. But let's talk about his deliverance. Look at the second half of that passage. The part where Nick stops asking questions and Jesus starts talking. After he unveils all that Nick doesn't know, which is kind of awkward, he speaks about Nick's deliverance and about ours. This is the meaning of that glorious phrase, born again. In our text it probably says, what, born from above? It can mean in the Greek a number of different things. Born again, born anew, born from above. Yes, this is the phrase that Christians, especially was it in the 70s, latched onto. I am a born again Christian. Are you born again? Now, usually in our culture, that is a loaded term. In fact, we might even be afraid of that term. Born again. Are you born again? Like, are you the kind of Christian I don't want to hang out with? We might say. Born again, we might think it means kind of a religious fanatic. We might think it means uh, that I had a, a, a dramatic crisis conversion story. Which is, which is great, which is great. That's not really what Jesus means about by born again, born anew, born of water and the Spirit. He says it a bunch of different ways in this story. Here's the point. To be born again, to be born anew, to be born from above means to be delivered. Means that instead of continuing to try to get that screw in the wall, which is never going to work because Josh can't do it in and of himself, someone from the outside is going to come in, something radically new, radically different. In Jesus' words, something from above. Right? This is what Nick's deliverance is all about. To be delivered, Nick needs something radically different. No extra assistance. No extra aid. This is the whole thing about, is, is born again? Are you saying I got to go back into my mother's womb? It's like, are you saying, Jesus, I got to start over? No, you don't have to start over. You have to be a new person. And only I can do that. You don't have to start over again. You don't have to go back to the beginning of your life. And instead of squeezing work for all you had, let's squeeze relationships. Let's see if I can get it that way. No, you don't have to start over. You need something radically different. You need deliverance. And who do you need deliverance from? From the one who is lifted up on the cross for you. The one who descended from above, 
goes to the cross, is lifted up and glorified in that way, and then goes back to heaven to complete it. A few years ago, I was at Ponce Inlet. Actually, it was more than a few years ago, early uh, in my days uh, living in Florida. I went to Ponce Inlet with a friend uh, over on the east coast of Florida, and it was my first experience. I didn't know it then. It was my first experience of riptide. Riptide. Now, this is not how you want to experience riptide, the story I'm about to share. Um, we were swimming. We were having a great time, both of us from Tennessee, I guess two Tennessee rednecks swimming in the ocean. What do we know? And after a while, we realized that we've drifted out a little bit too far, so both of us think, hey, let's, let's go back to the shore. We start swimming back to shore, and, and, and in the next 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, five minutes go by, we've not really gotten anywhere, and we are swimming and swimming and swimming. And I'm getting tired, and I can't touch the bottom. He can't touch the bottom. So we do what anyone would do. We start panicking, screaming. It didn't matter how hard we swam. As you know, as Floridians, the harder you swim, the faster you sink when you're swimming against riptide. You know what I mean? You just go down faster. It just makes you more tired. We needed someone from the outside to help us. Thankfully, there was a surfer dude just down the way on a surfboard. He swings by, picks us up, and takes us back to shore like it was no big deal. He even asked us, hey, just to be clear, were you guys actually, like, were you drowning? Yes, sir, we were drowning. You saved us. He was like, oh, that's pretty good. I I saved a couple lives today. What we needed is not help, harder swimming, more swimming skills. No, we needed deliverance. I want to close with a simple invitation then. How tired are you? What have you been squeezing the life out of and all you've got to show for it is a lousy t-shirt? Is it relationships? Second marriage, third marriage, maybe not even marriage, just, hey, maybe this romantic person will finally bring me meaning in life. Is it um, food? Is it uh, some other physical thing? Like, I can think of a, a couple of folks I know who have squeezed physical exercise just about all they can, more dedicated to it than anything else in life. Great thing to do, by the way, but it's never going to bring them hope. What are you squeezing? And are you tired? Are you tired? Jesus wants to offer you today something completely different. In the midst of the darkness of your own determination to save yourselves, Jesus comes to us anew today and offers us deliverance. You can almost taste it in the bread and wine. Are you tired? I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come to me and rest. Lay down your weary soul. Lay down your head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Amen.